welcome listeners from around the globe to the first, the very first annual 2014 Chinny Awards. Our listeners and listeners from around the world are asked to come and vote on their favorite TV-related shows and actors from a wide variety of categories. The votes came flying in, and now we're here tonight in the star-studded event to bring to you the first annual 2014 Chinny Awards! And Ryan, you're looking very dashing in that beautiful uh, powder blue tuxedo. People said they'd never come back, but you're wearing it with such style tonight. I expect to see the likes of George Clooney wearing it to the Academy Awards this year. And Jules, you look absolutely ravishing tonight with your uh, hair that came directly from some sort of Korean pop music video. (laughs) Oh, you flatter me, Ryan. You flatter me too much. Uh, It's wonderful to be presenting these awards. I know that uh, many of the uh, very famous actors and showrunners nominated in these categories are probably poised, waiting to hear whether they're going to pick up one of these amazing accolades. And tonight we will be revealing who will be walking away with the chinny. Yes, this beautiful award, which I'm holding up right now, which no one can see, will be uh, posted out uh, to the winners uh, very slowly over some period of time. But let's go straight into the awards. And first up, a very large category this year, Best New TV Show. Now, these are the best new TV show jewels that we reviewed on TV Chinwag this year. Uh, we wanted to make sure that it was a level playing field for everyone and all of our listeners. So these are all shows that we've been through. We've talked uh, about them at nauseum, and uh, we asked the listeners, which ones were your favorites? Now, Jules, you and I, we tabulated our own results based on our own preference and our own design. And in this category, I would like to hear, and I'm sure the listeners would like to hear, what was your favorite TV shows from 2014? The well, top five. This was a hard one, I have to say, Ryan. Entendre, uh, entirely in, uh, intended at that point, um, because there was a lot of good shows and a lot of variety. Um, number one, uh, going down. But not, lo- not a lot of good variety shows. Not a lot of good variety shows. Um, <laughs> we can only hope that they bring back the variety show. We need more uh-huh. singing and dancing on television. We may be getting mm. it this year in 2015. Um, right. First up amongst my... F- Do you want me to run through all five or yeah, go laborious, laboriously through everyone? Um, I think my top five were Fargo, Happy Valley, The Nick... The Leftovers and True Detective. I think that's six. Oh, okay. <laughs> so get it, take one of them off that list. I, I know it's very hard, actually. Do you know which and one I voted for? I can't remember. Yeah, you you voted Happy Valley, Strange Empire, oh. The Nick, Leftovers, and True Detective. Okay, there you go. Um, they were my top five. I think no uh, Fargo. Oh, I forgot Fargo. Damn. Um, I'm sure it's on my, your. I'm sure it's yeah, on your list. Yeah, my list has it. Um, I went uh, Fargo, Happy Valley again. I, I'm glad we both agree on that one. That was amazing. Um, a little bit different, I went with Red Road. Okay, cool. Um, uh, the Nick, which I really liked. The Missing and True Detective. Oh, not The Leftovers. I liked Missing more than The Leftovers, I think. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Did you finish it, by the way, The Missing? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, uh-huh. uh, another for for people who haven't listened to our episode about the missing yet, go and listen to it now. We'll wait. Um, no, mm-hmm. but that's our, another anthology series which will be coming back for a second season. So we had a few, a couple of those. So Fargo, True Detective, and uh, the Missing are all the Nick. Well, I'm talking about the anthology se- series that will oh, come, right. come back with a slightly different cast. Etc. In the um, in, in the yeah. next season, so I suppose that is, as we've talked about, a sort of a new new form, not a new form, but a revival of a, that form of television. Um, yeah. 
so lo- stories told over 10 or 12 episodes, but then the next season uh, picks up a totally different story, uh, which I'm pleased to see because I think, as we've said, you get, you know, 10 or 12 episodes. It's really, you know, it's like getting a trilogy of movies, but you don't have to wait three fucking years to watch them all. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so you get a lot of chance for a different different type of storytelling and um, really enjoyed it. Would you like to hear our fans' um, top five favourites? Yes, I wonder if they're right or if they differ from us and are therefore wrong. <laughs> um, well, actually, in fifth place was um, Fargo. Good. Okay. Um, which is good to see. In second place, uh, pardon me, sorry, fifth place was Penny Dreadful. Right. Um, fourth place was Fargo. Gotham took third place. Woohoo! Really? Second, mm-hmm. and second place was Constantine. <gasps> and first place, would you like to guess? Oh, I'm a bit scared now. <laughs> <laughs> first place was The Flash. Really? The Flash garnered 25% of the votes. Wow. Now, look, I, uh-huh. certain, I certainly thought uh, The Flash, uh, had, which we've reviewed, had a great pilot, hit the ground running, doing what it does quite well. Um, but hit yeah. the ground running, that's funny. I know, I know. Thank uh-huh. you, thank you. Applause, applause. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't have made... So, why of your selections, Ryan, which are obviously very similar to mine, what made those favourite shows for you? Uh, I mean, just outstanding acting, outstanding writing and directing, incredible uh, visuals, i.e. directing and director of photography. Um, They're really fantastic productions. Um, Penny Dreadful is very, very, very good. Um, It's close. Constantine is fine. It's it's okay, but I think a lot of I think what it really comes down to, Jules, is a lot of viewers don't have the cable channels. They still have just right. the regular network stuff. So you're going to see your CW shows. You're going to see Constantine. You're going to yep. see Gotham. You're going to see um, the Flash. And you're not um, going to see the Nick because it's on some cable network that right. no one has. Or True Detective. Or yeah. Which is interesting yeah. that we are starting. You know, as much as uh, I go on every episode of TV Chinwag about the the diversity we're getting in broadcast platforms, uh, we do have to remember that's also stratifying the audience because uh, people either can't afford them uh, uh, or just don't have access to them. So we are, of course, finding people that don't uh, don't get a chance to watch these shows until maybe they turn up on something like Hulu or Netflix or Amazon. Fandom, you know, I hope our listeners aren't amongst these, but people who belong to a fandoms generally stick within that fandom. I mean, there's a very clear and concise um, comic book in the top three of these. Uh, so, you know, those, those fans tend to stick uh, along with those fans. So... Um, well, which is, yeah, I mean, because I would certainly put myself firmly in that category, and I love sci-fi shows. Um, I wouldn't say superheroes as a, as a genre would I would define myself, but certainly anything sci-fi. So I was certainly tried out things like The Strain. Um, I don't think we've got up Helix there, uh, but all of the, you know, Dust Till Dawn, Constantine, uh, all those things, Penny Dreadful, I tried out. But I suppose what makes a favourite show for me is those things you mentioned. But a couple of things. I always love shows with good world building. And that doesn't have to be, you know, the future or an alien planet or a world with superheroes. It might right. be the Midwest or it might be, as The Leftovers is, this sort of post weird worldwide event um, where you're drawn in and you have to discover what this world is about has to be you know you discover it as it goes on Um, the writers and everyone else have to create a world that you believe in and that has its own you know its own rules and its own culture and all those sort of things and I think you know we certainly saw that in The Leftovers, The Nick as well which is set in Mm -hmm. uh, turn of the 20th century New York you know I think that did that really really well as 
both in a beautiful marriage between, you know, the writing and uh, the directing by Steven Soderbergh, um, you got to know what it was like to live in 19th century or 20, early 20th yeah. century New York. So I really... Yeah, I think you could say the same thing about The Affair, even though it's modern day time. You really understood what it was like to be in that world at the time uh, that this stuff went down. Yeah, um, Happy Valley, again, um, creation yeah. of a small English town, village. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, halt and Catch Fire. Yes, yeah, so we sit in the 80s. Am I right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so that, that always draws me into a, a show. And then I suppose it's those, you know, nebulous things about do I connect with the characters and, and, the, and the story that's, that's being told. And I do like to see stories being told that I haven't seen a million times before. So I suppose right. that's why I will like things as, you know, different as, you know, uh, Fargo and The Leftovers. Um, and Strange Empire. I mean, those three tell stories that I haven't seen, particularly, say, Strange em- Empire, The Leftovers and The Nick, I think, really felt to me like te- they were telling different stories. Red Road, again, um, telling story of people uh, and both individually and as a community that I, I hadn't seen before. And, you know, in a world where we do have so much to choose from, um, I think there's there's two things. There's comfort in seeing the same stories, so that's why people often stay in the same genre. I think because you get familiar and comfortable, and it's what you like. Um, but also, I like that challenge of of um, being drawn into a new world and a new story with with the sort of individual stories, characters that I've not come across before. Um, and I think we're getting a lot more of that on, on t- you know, diversity of that on television these days. So, and I think that's one thing we wanted to do with TV Chinwag too, is, is sort of try and introduce people to all the other shows that they can watch other than the ones that might get the most publicity or the, mi- ones, Absolutely. That, the ones that are easy yeah. to market and seem familiar because you can say, hey, you like The Arrow, watch The Flash or what, you know, yeah. you, you like uh, procedurals, watch this. Um, so I think some of these shows are a harder sell and I think that's why we found it good to, you know, we wanted to talk about them in detail because... And there were lots of shows I discovered that I'd I'd never. Um, I remember things like Ray Donovan. I'd um, uh, you know seen posters or you know images of and that, but it, it just I thought it was not my sort of show and wasn't going to be anything different. And it was only you nagging me that got me to, <laughs> to give it a go. And you know it turned out to be a great revelation. So yeah, well, if only we could do the same for Shameless. It's it's on the list, Ryan. It's on the list. Um. Uh, I should mention that uh, in these top TV shows, um, the category of other got 10%. Um, so I went through a few of those, and they were sort of all over the place. Uh, one person, one crazy person put in Scorpion as best show. Can, so, can we get their um, email address? Because I might have to go and visit them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we probably, we probably should send that email address to the makers. No, no, because other people are watching the show, so we can't even pretend yeah. no one else. No, no, the it. makers of Scorpion are geniuses. They already know. <gasps> okay, they've hacked, um, they've hacked it. Uh, next so, so I don't think we need to sum up though. I mean, okay, oh, come on. I now after the Scorpion thing, I'm just mad. Okay, okay, we'll take that madness. <laughs> go on, go on to the next category. Yeah. So sum up. Uh, lots of TV shows uh, that are new. And a lot, a lot of good new TV shows that a lot of people aren't watching yet. Very good. Uh, hopefully our education helps. Yes. Best TV series wrap-up of 2014. Oh, controversial. Uh, I know we'll have chosen. Controversial. We, will we have... had four categories, or four um, um, votes in this category. Nominees. And nominees. Um, they were, uh, I'll, I'll read them out. Boardwalk Empire, Breaking Bad, Sons of Anarchy, and The Killing. Now, Jules, which one did you think wrapped up the best? Um, well, the, no, it wasn't the best. It was the most satisfying was actually the well, criteria. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it says, what series ended the most satisfyingly? Mm-hmm. And I chose Sons of Anarchy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I bet you chose Boardwalk Empire. 
I actually chose Breaking Bad. Ooh. Well, I yeah, I, I was quite happy. I mean, Boardwalk I thought ended fine too. I had no problem with it. But Breaking I thought was a little bit, it went on on a little bit more of a grandiose note than Boardwalk did. Um, I think we can both agree the killing ended terribly. Yes. I, I <laughs> Can we put that down as our worst? Uh, it yeah. ended well, and then they had a stupid time jump coda yes. that ruined everything. Yes, yeah. Um, our fans say that uh, Breaking Bad ended best oh, okay. with 29% of the votes. They, they I'm wrong, obviously. Can I tell you why I, Sons of, I picked Sons of Anarchy over Breaking Bad? Sure, please. Um, for me, there was a nice bit of... Um, look, when I keep, I keep saying to people is the Sons of Anarchy final episode was very Sons of Anarchy, which sort of sounds weird, but it tied back into its own origins and it, without betraying any of the characters or the uh, what the show's been doing, it ended on, I think, notes that were appropriate and satisfying for the viewer. Um, so that, so I, I actually took the satisfying part of the criteria seriously. So I came away from that feeling it was overblown, emotionally manipulative, and that the last season had gone on far too long. Um, but the finale was incredibly satisfying. It did mm-hmm. the things that I have been watching Sons of Anarchy for. So it gave me feels. Uh, there were, you know, people died, people lived, people lived badly, people, you know, there was some ominous uh, foreshadowing for what happened, might happen to characters in the future. And it felt like... Um, it felt satisfying. I liked the Breaking Bad ending, uh, although I liked individually. I liked episodes earlier in that final season, um, but it wasn't as satisfying to me. And I don't know what would have been satisfying, to be honest. Um, yeah, I'm not sure either. No, maybe uh, if Walt had just become addicted to meth and then you <laughs> ended up living on the street, you yeah, would have been happy. But a close call. Yeah. I mean, I certainly think it was a, a, an ending that fitted with the series and the characters and uh, I came away from it feeling happy. It wasn't like Dexter. No one went off and became a lumberjack. Still deeply damaged over that stupid, stupid finale. Um, so, you know, and I don't watch Boardwalk Empire, so I can't judge that. But um, Okay. That's okay. So our next category, very hard to pick this one, was Best Facial Hair in a Drama. Now, I'll just run through the nominees here. We have Clive Owen in The Nick. Travis Fimmel from Vikings. And, you know, Vikings a show with a lot of very good hair work going on. We had Martin Freeman's stash in Fargo. And the evil Peter Capaldi in Musketeers. which had, He had a gorgeous goatee as well. What did you pick, Ryan? Well, you and I picked the same thing. I'm going to be a bit of a spoiler. We picked Travis Fimmel in Vikings. I'm not surprised at you. He he rocked yeah. that beautifully. Uh, if you if you haven't watched Vikings and you like hot beardy men, you should be watching Vikings. <laughs> um, and actually, it's funny because our fans did not pick that. The fans picked Martin Freeman in Fargo. Really. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny? Now, I wonder if that's because he's more—he's the most well-known of the four. Well, Clive Owen's pretty well-known, I guess. I wondered if two people weren't harking back to... So Martin Freeman also sported a stash in uh, the most recent episode, uh, season of Sherlock. So while he was more, uh, after Sherlock's air quotes, death, um, right. Watson grows, true, grows yeah. a moustache. I think yeah. maybe people were com- uh, adding together Martin Freeman's moustache performances. Um, and maybe because it's fun to see a hobbit with a moustache, I don't know. Uh, well, well, it's always fun to see a hobbit with anything. <laughs> I saw, I saw a, a hobbit on a scooter one time. It was hilarious. Right. Best day of my life. Did he have a moustache? Couldn't tell. I was just watching a Hobbit on a scooter. That's all I saw. Okay, uh, but I think uh, Vi- Vikings overall would be be up there for for best hair all over the body. Really, I mean, all their hair is rocking. Yeah, no, I agree. Yep, it's great for the hair. 
Um, our next category is Best Music. Uh, best Musical Score, and the nominees are Bear McCreary for Constantine, Clift Martinez for The Nick, Bear McCreary for The Walking Dead, or Graham, Graham Reevil for Gotham, which has a pretty darn good score if you've ever listened to it. It's very, I don't know, Burton-y. Tim Burton yes. style musical, whatever. There's a, yes, um, a lot of pro- good. Who was your favorite, Jules? Look, I, I went with Cliff Martinez from The Nick. I I thought that <laughs> that score was genius. Uh, I think everything Bear McCreary does is great, and I'd probably put The Walking Dead, you know, second in that list. But I just thought the use of the sort of minimalist electronic score in The Nick, which is not, you know, it's not from the period, but it just so worked with the style the both of the, the visual style of the show i think in in every way and i really think it highlighted what um you know what a score can do because uh, you could have put in turn of the century sort of music hall songs or whatever in in uh, in the nick and and totally changed the whole feeling of the show but uh, i i just thought it was brilliant and i i love i love his work um, the fans and I agreed, and it was Barry McCurry for Walking Dead. Uh, he got 26% of the votes. Um, I mean, pretty iconic um, soundtrack in The Walking Dead. Yep. Um, you know, you hear it and you know exactly what you're watching. Uh, Constantine's quite nice, actually. And uh, I wasn't crazy about what Cliff Martinez did in The Nick. It was a little bit too... Eh, but it was interesting and definitely brave uh, decision that they made on that. I think it went so well with Soderbergh's directing style, if that makes sense. It just seemed to match. And I I don't have the learning to tell you what I quite mean, but I just felt it matched that. It was great at... It wasn't obvious, and like it built tension, and it, you know, it had the usual things of motifs of different characters and all that sort of stuff. But I think because the style of music was so different, it um, it worked on me in in a yes. different way. And it was a bit like yeah. the visuals of the show; they were uh, often quite different than you see on a TV drama. So yeah. they worked on you to interact with the story in a different way. Um, uh, but look, you know, Bear McCreary, uh, I've loved him ever since uh, his Battlestar Galactica work, which I thought was just genius. Um, and uh, I, I haven't consciously noticed uh, the soundtrack on Constantine, but yeah, Walking Dead, um, in sometimes the soundtrack is the best part of the episode. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, on now to best original series on an alternate provider. So this is where we go to our television that's not on television, which we've the world has solidly entered this year. Um, and our four nominees were Happy Valley, English production which aired on Netflix. Peaky Blinders, uh, also on ne- Netflix. That's the uh, Killian Murphy, Tom Hardy show which we reviewed in our last uh, I think last pre uh, last episode of mm-hmm. 2014 The Fall the Gillian the Anderson Jamie Dormer uh, Irish show on Netflix and Transparent which we actually didn't review last year uh, which was on Amazon Ryan oh I get it Transparent okay Whew, okay it. it only took six months uh, yeah. why don't we start with who our uh, our listeners chose our listeners went with The Fall on Netflix. Um, uh, 15% of the votes. This is 15% of the overall votes. Not everybody voted for every category. In fact, a lot of them just voted for Jensen Ackles. Um, <laughs> spoilers. Um, so the oh, Phantom, you're nothing if not predictable. <laughs> right. <Yes. laughs> uh, or subtle. Um Happy Valley came in second, and then Peaky Blinders was third. Mm. Uh, Transparent was tied with Peaky Blinders. It, it's interesting, but um, I don't. I, I just can't agree with that. To be honest with you, Happy Valley was a f- far more superior program than um, than what you see uh, than The Fall. I thought I, um, I would. The Fall was good. I, I liked it. It was. It was. It was really good. We really enjoyed it when we reviewed it. But having seen both, um, to me, Happy Valley takes the cake on that one. 
Um, I would totally agree. I've just finished watching the second season of The Fall. Uh, uh-huh. Mesmerised, love it. Part of that is just watching Gillian Anderson do anything. Um, right. But it's and, and really enjoyed it, and I've been pimping it out to lots of people because it's you know it's a good mystery and it's only a few episodes and it's very yeah. enjoyable. But nowhere near, um, I would say either any of the other three. Peaky Blinders um, is doing a lot that's that's different and um, a wonderful, wonderful series which I've just started season two of. Uh, and transparent, I think a lot of people haven't picked because they haven't seen it. Um, yeah. And again, two reasons: one, people don't have Amazon, so they can't watch streaming content on Amazon. And the other thing, I think the subject matter probably put a lot of people up off. So most people will just know that it's about a parent who's transitioning gender, and probably think, oh, that's some you know do worthy sort of you know show that I'm not interested in. Um, and again, uh, and hopefully I'll get you to watch it and we can review it soon because it is coming back for a second season. Um, it is that, but it's, it's certainly not some sort of worthy, uh, this is about, you know, some sort of uh, 101 on transitioning gender. It's that, uh, it's uh, it's about identity. It's It's a black, black comedy. And I think that's possibly what people don't, uh, know about it is an incredibly black comedy um, and a family a family drama. I mean, this is like it's like um, it's like a goth version of Modern Family on crack, mm, okay. <laughs> which makes no sense. But you know, yes, it's no. <laughs> very dark, um, and uh, I hope lot people do get to discover it because it's um, yeah, I I really loved it, and they're half hour episodes, so it's. Um, it's a short format, uh, so you can power through them. Ryan, I'll watch. I'll watch Shameless if you watch Transparent. <laughs> well, you should just watch Shameless because you'll love it. Well, you should just watch Transparent because you'll love it. No, I don't know. Okay. If you'll, I don't well, know if you'll love we, it. We will review it, so I don't know why you're pushing it. Okay, <laughs> just quit pushing your agenda. All right, that's <laughs> uh, weird. Well, I just think it's because, again, I mean, we're we're at that point, as we were saying before, you know, people don't have access to Amazon. Now, I actually watched it because Amazon. Uh, Prime or whatever they call it, had, uh, you know, sign up for a free month. And so I signed up for a free mm-hmm. month and watched Transparent. And that was my free right. month. Um, I actually signed up and watched um, Mozart in the Jungle. Oh, no, I've heard good things about that. Yeah, well, we'll review them. Why don't we do an Amazon day and we'll review both of them. Okay. that's oh, well, Okay, <laughs> let's move on. The 2014 Sexiest Leading Man. Hottest Dude in a TV Show. Do we need to even say who? <laughs> well, we should say who the for. nominees are because it's a. It's nominees a... are Charlie Hunneman from Sons of Anarchy, Idris Elba from <laughs> Jared Padalecki from Supernatural, Jason Momoa from The Red Road, <sighs> Jensen Ackles from Supernatural, Stephen Amell from Arrow. Amel or Amel? Um, Amel, I Doesn't believe. Matter. Travis Famel <laughs> from Vikings. <laughs> and those were our top leading men. And who you did... you want to guess who won? Oh, I think we... Who did I vote? Who did you vote for? What it... I went for Jason Momoa from The Red Road. I think he is just dreamy. Uh, I can't remember who I... Did I go for Idris? I usually you do. You did go for Idris Alba. Yeah. Um, but, um, but... Very few people did, actually. Only <sighs> 12. Oh, my God. You're so wrong, everyone. Um, But I have to say... Okay, only 13 went with Jason Momoa. um, It was a hard call for me. Uh, I I would put them equal, really. And I did get a chance to see Jason up close and in the flesh when he was in Australia this year. And uh, I was actually at a bar where he he was... um, When he walked in, it was like one of those... Uh, old western saloons where you know there's all this noise and and clatter and and you know someone walks in and and like even the bar staff literally stopped mid pour like (laughs) he walks in and it's just everyone is just like oh my god he is so gorgeous um so i would certainly i've never seen idris elba in the flesh but i'm sure the effect is similar um but let's surprise the socks off me ryan and tell me who our listeners voted for. Our listeners voted for Gents in Shackles. <laughs> That's 
Gents in Shackles. Uh, um, no- who is a very handsome <coughs> and talented man and probably deserves this award, but he's, uh, you know... He's good. He's good. <laughs> well, good. you'll be able to present that. Good for him. You'll be able to present that to him at work then, once we're finished. You know, uh, once we're finished well, getting the uh, just, just hand, yeah, once ha- them mm-hmm. hand carved. Right. Uh, so <laughs> the Chinwag Awards. <laughs> <laughs> he'll be able to, you know, he'll be able to put it on his mantle next to his uh, People's Choice for Best Young Daytime TV Star that he won. Exactly. Uh, 15 years ago. Uh, I'm sure he'll be thrilled. But, yes, lots of hot dudes on our television. Seriously, people that watch. Jason Momoa, shirtless twice in the first season of The Red Road. That should be enough to get you watching. Yeah, and, take and it lots from, of smouldering eyes. I love. Yeah, take it from Ryan and I, because mm-hmm. we don't have a dog in this fight. So you know, nope. you should believe us. <laughs> <laughs> both fans of cats, so we're both fans of cats. We don't have a dog in this fight. Do you see where I'm going with that, Jules? <laughs> oh my God, Ryan! That may be the single funniest thing you've ever said. I want that on a T-shirt. Gotcha. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so, so try and stop loving. Um, our next award is for the network slash content provider doing good things. We have what does that mean, Jules? Well, as, as I said, we, we've talked a lot about uh, both alternate forms of broadcasting, but also networks or cable channels, whatever you people call them, um, that are putting out good shows and a good variety of shows. So our selection is Stars, Netflix, Cinemax, and Amazon. I feel like we could have done, we could have given more options there, but overwhelmingly, uh, people chose Netflix. Sure. Forty-seven um, percent of our votes went to Netflix, um, and you know Netflix is every well, it's not in Australia, but it's everywhere else, and um, you know all the new stuff that they're coming out with their. You know, licensing BBC shows and bringing them to America yep. and doing that sort of things. Um, I, I don't necessarily disagree. However, my vote went with stars just because I, I like stars. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I went with stars as well, I think, very predictably, um, because they are doing a variety of shows and good shows and um, good storytelling. Shows with a rocking good plot. Uh, absolutely, yeah, and they take chances, and they're swearing and nudity, and you know, it was interesting <laughs> and different things. So I, I like stars. Um, Cinemax, what they did with the Nick, I thought was great. Yep. I mean, that's a really that's a different thing for them. Um, then Amazon, it's really it's almost too early to tell for Amazon. Yes, um, if the few things that we've talked about even just recently. Um, you know, we'll see where they go. I, I definitely say keep an eye on Amazon, but uh, well, and Netflix they've, is they've, so far the the home run. They've had Amazon have had for the last, and I think it might be three years now. Um, you know, pilot seasons each year where they pick. You know, thought you like the winners, and um, some of those you know go on. Um, couple uh, though haven't gone on to actually make series um so yeah it's very early days for amazon transparent is the thing most people know it for they've been expanding i mean i suppose their big deal this year was getting all the they got a lot of the uh it was the hbo back catalog didn't they Mm -hmm. like the Mm -hmm. wire and the sopranos and stuff so that's you know that's going to hold them in good stead and hopefully then the uh, certainly critical success of of transparent will drive them to do good stuff but yeah certainly at the moment i think netflix both on its uh its catalog of of um of older series that it has and movies that it has but its investment in in new series like orange is the new black um have really put it to the forefront and the good news is which i'll talk about in excruciating detail in the next podcast is that netflix is coming to australia in march this year excellent good for you guys you don't have to break the law anymore no well we still will because we're that sort of there's been a lot of talk in canada about cracking down on the geo geo Blocking. Hacking or geo-hopping, whatever it is. Um, so that might become a thing too. We'll see. I have many thoughts on that, which I will talk about later. So on to, do you want to do our next category? Because that's right up your alley. Our next category is the best bad guy. And we call this the Servius, Servius Snape Memorial Award for Deliciousness and Evil. <laughs> Possibly the best named award ever. 
I should hope. Why don't you? And the nominees for this category are Billy Bob Thornton in Fargo, Jada Pickett Smith in Gotham, James Norton in Happy Valley, Jamie Dornan in The Fall, Jason Momoa in The Red Road, Ken Stott in The Missing, Mark Shepard in Supernatural, Robin Lord Taylor in Gotham, and Errol Childress in True Detective. Well, Jules, who do you think is the most delicious bad guy out of all those? Oh, now, do, see, again, delicious changes changes the criteria, but I went with Billy Bob Thornton in Fargo. Um, uh-huh. The thing I loved about his character is the fact that a lot of what he does is making other people do evil and corrupting other people. I think that, I mean, he's a, he's a murderous bastard himself, but the joy he takes, and that's sort of central to the story in his corruption of Martin Freeman's character, a man ripe for corruption, obviously, uh, or, or for ex- if you like, for allowing him to express the, his own uh, evilness. That's what I loved about, uh, about Billy Bob's character. He, he, was, he was deliciously evil. Uh, he was deliciously evil. He, that, I think that's my favorite Billy Bob role of all time. I think he was really, really so disturbingly great in there. Um, I went with somebody that you... I, in fact, I know that nobody else did because I'm the only one that voted for it. <laughs> but I went with um, Ken Stott from The Missing. Right, yep. Not surprised. Um, now, did you know that Ken Stott was in... Um, um, uh, he was one of the dwarfs in The Hobbit? Yes, I did. I did not know that until I was watching The Hobbit. I'm like, oh, that's that perverted sicko. <laughs> He's not dead. He ran off and became a dwarf. Yeah. So for those who haven't seen The Missing, uh, well, you should see it because it's really, really good. Uh, but Ken Stott plays a um, a very good role. A very, very interesting, layered, dark, dark role yes um and i don't want to say anything more just it's good it's really good um Um, but who did our fans think is the best bad guy of all time this season i'd be disappointed if it wasn't mr mark shepherd it was our one and only previous past guest friend of the show mark shepherd who garnered 50 percent of the votes um people came to vote for mr mark shepherd and you know what they're not wrong i would say they're really not wrong (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you don't get much better than Crowley, do you? No, and I think one thing Mark has has really done with that role is, you know, he is this evil character, and within the show, like he he does evil things. Uh, he's not just, you know, it's not just that he's called the King of Hell. He kills beloved characters and does horrible, horrible things, and yet he makes everyone love him. Right, uh, and he's, I mean, there's something. That's also a side of evil that always intrigues me is, is, and even in mundane day-to-day life, is when you have people who are incredibly charismatic and who people are drawn to, yet they're horrible people. Uh, and I think that's, you know, Crowley is that taken to the nth level. And look, you know, Mark Shepard, uh, I've often said that I think uh, the writers must, uh, you know, arm wrestle for a chance to write those lines for Crowley because they just know Mark is going to toss them out there with amazing uh, ability. So um, yes. we need we need an evil off, really, don't we, between some of these characters? <laughs> it's a Oh, can you imagine? Yeah. Well, you'll see it in Gotham because there's Jada Pickett-Smith and Robin Lord Taylor in Gotham. Yes. Um, those guys can go together, uh, which I think was good. I, I really liked uh, Jada Pickett as, as Fish, Mooney, and Gotham. I think she's great. And I liked Robin Lord Taylor as the Penguin in Gotham. Well, I think I, they're both really fun. I think universally his perform- Robin Lord Taylor's performance is, is basically the thing everyone's saying is you know driving the show and, and the most interesting thing about the show at the moment, which I would... Um, agree with i think possibly the most disappointing of that list was was errol childress in the true detective but that was more i think about the way the story was told rather than him not but he was obviously the character was abhorrently evil and it was good performance but uh, I, I wouldn't have put it i wouldn't put it up there with my favorite baddies um what didn't you like the character the way it was written or i uh Yes, there was something. Um, 
and and some of that, and this has been talked about a lot, was the expectations. I think that were built into the narrative that set set up the the resolution or that that revealed to be something bigger than you know basically this grotty horrid guy. Um, yeah. I, and I, I, whether that's you know a misstep in the narrative or the viewers bringing our own expectations to something. And I didn't need it to be supernatural or epic. I would have rather it have been perhaps mythic, you know. Um, but there was some misstep there. That, um, and not that he wasn't a bad, a bad, bad guy, but there was something that his revelation just felt a bit jarring. Um, and not that it didn't fit with Southern Gothic you know, tales or anything, but it just didn't quite, for me, feel like what I perhaps wanted. And maybe if I had have seen more of him earlier or something, it would have worked better. But Sure, yeah, yeah, just to jump into it, it wasn't that... Yeah, I, well, and you know what, people agree, because he only got two votes, so... Ja- uh, Jamie Dornan so in The Fall, I would, also, I would actually put up there as one I liked, because I thought he created a character... And again, a lot of this was in the, the structure of the story, where you get to see him certainly in the first season, being this sort of, you know, he's a grief counsellor and he's pretty, you know, family man and the juxtaposition of what we know he's doing in his spare time <laughs> and mm-hmm. that and, and where they start, uh, you know, rubbing up against each other, to, so to speak, um, I thought he played really well and I found him one of the creepiest, possibly because it was less... Uh, so less over the top, but yeah, there was something about his ordinariness that, mm-hmm. and again, he was one of those, he, he was someone people liked, and that always, for me, makes the evil more chilling. Now, what about, what did you think of Jason Moe in the Red Road? Is Jason Momoa in the Red Road, is he a bad guy? Well, so I think he, he doesn't fall into the excellence in evil category for me. I think he's a... Agreed. Uh, you know, he's not just... He's a criminal. Yeah, he's just... He's not... He, you know, he's not a, evil the way many of these other characters are unequivocally evil, which just about... In fact, I think everyone else on that list is unequivocally evil, but Jason... Mom- so James Norton and Happy Valley. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no yeah. doubt about it, but I think uh, Jason's, it's more complex than that. doesn't mean he mightn't be a bad man, and, you know, uh, I don't necessarily want him to be my best friend, but I don't think, you know, he's evil. He's hot and bad, not evil. Agreed. The bad boy <laughs> image makes him hotter. Now, on to a category dear to your heart, Ryan. Dear to my chin. Dear to your chin. Why these are called the chinnies. I've now exposed the real agenda. The best beardy man show. Shows with outdoorsy working men. Beards are optional, but they all have them. So we have... (laughs) We have... Gold Rush. Mountain Men. Yukon Men. Bering Sea Gold. Deadliest Catch. And Vikings. And... Oh, and Ryan, stop pushing your beardy agenda. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which did not get the most votes. Thank you very much, Jules. I tried to vote as many times as I could. <laughs> um, actually, then, if you would like to know, the number one voted show here was Vikings. And, you know, I, putting Vikings in here, I kind of thought that might happen. Um, it's not a reality-based show. It's not a reality-based men's show or know? whatever you call it. Well, it's based in reality. However, it's not. It's a um, a drama. Yes, a scripted drama with uh, you know nudity and scripting and really handsome dudes. So, okay. So if you want to take that out of the mix and take out of the mix the fact that I voted for just being mean to you, <clears throat> um, which reality show has the best beards for you? Is a deadliest catch. Oh, I'm a bit surprised yeah, by that. Best beardy man show, at least. Yeah, deadliest catch got six uh, percent of the votes, oh. and then uh, Gold Rush and Mountain Man, and they were all sort of even after that. So um, Ryan stopped pushing your beardy agenda. Was actually seventeen <laughs> percent. <laughs> so it was pretty up there. <laughs> but which show did you pick, Ryan? 
I picked the Bering Sea Gold as my favorite. Yes, I would have said Deadliest Catch is a bit patchy in its beardiness, to be honest. There's a lot of non-beardiness on Deadliest Catch. But again, maybe that was the show most people had watched. I would say probably the best beards comes from Mountain. Yes. Yeah. Um, Yukon Men, there are not a ton of beards. And then Gold Rush, there's not a ton of beards. But uh, as far as the entertainment value, Bering Sea Gold is my favorite. Then I like, I like them all actually. <laughs> we know, we know <laughs> that. <laughs> Our next category was the most accurately predicted outcome. So this is us in the podcast making predictions for up and coming shows, and if those predictions were accurate or not at the end of the day or at the end of the season if, if, as you were so to choose from we gave the audience the choices of the tv show selfie and we said "Ugh, it's gonna suck <laughs> do you remember when we made these predictions i do we were here in my uh, living we room. were we were and it was warm and hot and we were drinking beers and then we went to the movie oh, happy times Good times. And then uh, Gotham, we said, looks interesting. We said, Town of the Living Dead, it could be good. (laughs) Uh, We said, Constantine was probably going to suck. And we said, The Missing, "Mm, give it a look. So this is a little bit of a tricky one to, to really give the outcome. But we, you and I both voted that selfie, ugh, gonna suck, was the most accurately predicted yeah and i think we were both at the time also because we're both on team cho we were both sort of not happy in making that prediction but uh we had read enough about it to uh and maybe this is sometimes it's even easier with comedies i think It, it just had suckage written all over it and it turned out to be sucky and it's been cancelled did you watch more than one episode no I didn't either, and I heard somewhere at some point in passing somebody saying what a shame it was because it was so well done and so intelligent, and I thought, (laughs) you know what, maybe I missed something. Maybe after the first episode it got really good. No, I didn't. I mean, uh, I know on the um, Alan Sepperwell and Dan Feinberg podcast, they dipped into it a few times, and from their reporting, no, it didn't. Uh, I think there was the idea that there was potential there, but, and and not to say it couldn't have, you know, course-corrected over time, but I think it, yeah, well, we'll never know now. Now we'll never know. <laughs> we could go back and watch it, but eh, why? Yeah. Okay, um, now. The, wait, hold on. The, we didn't say what the fans voted for. We said selfie gonna suck. That got fifteen percent of the votes. Getting seventeen percent of the votes was Gotham. Looks interest interesting. Yep, I think everyone. I think everyone said that, and I think a lot of people. I'm still watching. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I missed a couple of episodes, but I did watch this week, uh, and I think <laughs> people are still hanging on, going, "Looks interesting." It, it, yeah. Um, but yeah, we might do a roundup at some point of. Uh, shows that we started last year and that we haven't persisted with and the ones that we have. Oh. And <laughs> I have a very long list. <laughs> Gotham is one of those where, I, you know, I think I have to admit uh, it's never going to be the show I want it to be. Um, yeah. We had a whole episode this week with Jim Gordon at Arkham Asylum, which just I was just so excited for. Uh, amazing potential. Just thought, oh, finally, we'll have him here. You know, he's sort of been demoted to being a, a police guard at Arkham Asylum. I thought, we've got so much potential. And the whole thing was over in one episode. Um, yeah. And it just, yeah, uh, there was enough of the other stuff. The whole Fish Mooney um, Penguin uh, plot is almost its own sh- different show now. So there's sort of like these shows cut together and occasionally we see Barbara Gordon being sad and for no reason oh, why she's even in the show anymore. So, um, so I'm going to probably gracefully withdraw from Gotham and wait until, uh, you know, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. somewhere in season two, people go up. Or, or the spin-off Cobblepot. Yes. <laughs> I'd watch that. <laughs> uh, at some point, someone will probably tell me, oh, it's gotten really good, but um, I, I just... 
sorry, I shouldn't say really good. It's just not going to be the show I want it to be. So um, I, I will I'll back out gracefully. Worst okay. new show. Okay, so... Th- well, this is a tough <laughs> one, isn't it? This is not the biggest disappointment, but the actual shittiest show. So, we have right. Scorpion, Gotham, Selfie, The Flash, and The Strain. I think I know which one you and I will choose, uh, Ryan. Uh, and let's uh-huh. just go straight for that. We would have both picked Scorpion, wouldn't we? We did. Yeah. What a piece of shit that thing is. Let's not even talk no. about it. Move on. Uh, what's it? What's it? Uh, our list now that's was? not what the fan said. The fan said selfie. Mm. Now here's my prediction on that. I think a lot of our fans are sci-fi fans. A lot of them probably watch Doctor Who. And said, oh, well, if the girl from Doctor Who is in this, it's going to be good. And so they tuned in to watch Selfie and hated uh, well, it. Well, also, big, you know, every, there's a big John Cho. You know, Team Cho has many members. Uh, right. And I think, like, you know, me, we'll watch anything John Cho is in. At least give it a go. Um, yeah. Um, it, it was really damn close for all the other ones. They were all at 6%, 6%, 7%, 5%. Uh, across the board, but Selfie was 27%, so people felt pretty strongly about it. Yes. Um, Again, maybe because of its potential, because it had two stars in it that people like. Um, I don't think it was the shittiest show. I think, obviously, Scorpion took that out. Uh, Yeah. uh, I would have, out of the rest of them... Look, Selfie had good actors, had funny people... And bad scripts. ...had interesting enough sets. (laughs) You've beat Scorpion already. (laughs) Hey, look, just about anything else on television would have beat Scorpion. I would have said biggest disappointment, if just to change the criteria for a moment, for me was The Strain. Um, I am going to go back and give that a bit of another go because I I have had friends who who really enjoyed it. But I got to about episode eight and I have to say I was just not, not, uh, not having a good time. Uh, Interesting. um, The Flash has 7% of the votes. Mm. So worst new show and best new show. That tells you what our listeners are like. <laughs> Audiences, <laughs> who can pick them? Exactly. Let's move on to our next one, best female. Isn't it time series. for a musical number? Isn't this a point in a award oh, show? Oh yeah, bring on Neil Patrick Harris and the dancing mambo. Yeah. <laughs> We have to have the satirical uh, musical number that references all these TV shows, possibly with John Hamm popping in at some point. Uh, so just imagine... Every- Speaking of popping into Hamm... <laughs> and that brings us to the end of part one, dear listener. Part one of the TV Chinwags 2014 Chinny Awards. Please keep watching this space for later on this week for part two. Until then, my name is Ryan and thank you for listening.